Good morning. You know, I, I'm out here. I'm, by the way, I'm Terry Cadwell, pastor of Life Groups, and most of the time I'm out here at the front high-fiving your kids and, and, uh, and getting a chance to, to talk to people. And sometimes I forget how good our worship team is. I tell you, they are just absolutely incredible. And, and so it's always fun. Part of when I get, when I get a chance to come in here and, and, and be the one who delivers the message, it's, it's exciting for me just to be sitting down here and watch, uh, watch the worship team. By the way, I so appreciate Mac letting me be up here and, and take this Sunday. He'll be back next week. Uh, we, are, we are in the middle of a series, well, actually kind of toward the end of a series uh, for ATX in the book of Nehemiah, and Mac's going to complete that next week, and I so appreciate him letting me stand in here today and have a chance to share with you. You, you have no idea. I mean, because for well, the reason you don't have any idea is because for most of you, you're not an old guy like me. I mean, I'm an old guy, and, and for God to give an old guy like me the opportunity to, uh, to be able to, to talk to you about how good he is. I mean, most of those opportunities go to young, good-looking guys like Mac, okay? But, but for me to be able to do that, I just thank God every day and that God lets me be a part of, of Lake Hills Church, and I thank God this morning. God, thank you for giving me the privilege of telling these people this morning, the next generation and the next generation, how awesome you are, that you are God. You ever working along on your computer and, and suddenly you realize that you've lost your internet connection? Or am I the only guy that that happens to? If, 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 have, does that happen to anybody but me? Let me see your hands. Okay, good. So y'all can identify with your going along and all of a sudden, oh, shoot. What do you do when you lose your internet connection? Reboot, that's what I do. I've heard, I've heard people tell me there are other things you can do, but I'm not smart enough to do any of those other things. So I do what Deanne does. Okay, I reboot, and then I hope that the interruption is only temporary. Now let's think about that. Do you ever get the feeling that you need to reboot your God connection? Take your program and open it up, if you haven't already, to the part there that says connect card. So we're, we're all looking at the same card. It has a connect card on one side, and then how can we be praying for you on the other side? Several months ago, I was looking through the connect cards that had been turned in on a Sunday, and, and I noticed there, there was a man, a, a man's name, and I looked down to see what, what he had filled out. And you see about two-thirds of the way down, there, uh, there's three little boxes, and the one on the right there says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. And I was looking at this connect card, and this man had written, I checked that little box, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. And then I looked over here on the, on the other side, where, where it said, how can we be praying for you? And he had written in there, I want God back in my life. Well, I called him on the telephone and said, hey, can we have a conversation? And uh, I noticed that on your connect card that you were renewing your, your, your commitment to Christ, and I'd like just to have a short conversation and, and see if we can talk about some important next steps for your spiritual journey. And so we set up a time to get together, and uh, we got together out here, uh, probably at one of the silver tables. I don't remember, depending on the weather. I don't remember exactly where we were having this conversation. But he told me his story. And he told me that he had uh, committed his life to Christ when he, he was a teen, but that he said then he fell away from God. And, and he said, I've 
been involved in a number of relationships that didn't work out. And he says, and now my life is completely off the rails. And then he looked at me and he said what he had said on the connect card. He said, I want God back in my life. But he didn't stop there. He went on and he said, but I'm afraid that I've pushed God too far for too long. Can you do that? Can you push God so far for so long that rebooting your connection with God is not even possible? Or maybe, maybe you don't need to reboot. Maybe you just need to refresh your God connection. Maybe you've just been busy doing things, good things even. And, and all of a sudden you realize that God's not even in the equation anymore. In Psalm 13:1, David said, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? You ever feel like that? That God's not even a part of the a part of your life? You know, the more I read the Bible the, and, and compare what's in the Bible with what I see in people's lives, including my own, the more I become convinced that if we are not intentionally pursuing our relationship with God, we will drift away from Him. Now, wouldn't it be nice if all that you had to do in order to renew your connection with God was just one little click, click on refresh or click on restart, but it doesn't work that way, does it? Of course it doesn't, because God's not a computer. There's more to it than just clicking a button. So how do we renew our God connection? Let's pray. Lord God, Father, as I come before you now, Lord, I know that you are God. And Lord, you remind me all the time that you are God and I'm not. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, that, that I'm part of your family now, God, that, that I'm your child. And I thank you, Father, that you've given me this incredible privilege to tell these people how great and awesome a God you are. Lord, I'm just the messenger. And God, I just ask you now as the messenger, Lord, that you would so fill me with your spirit that there's nothing that gets in, my, in, in your way, that you can use me to, to share and teach your word, that there's nothing in me that'll stop that from happening. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. And, and by the way, if you, if, you, if you don't have a real Bible, uh, if you're using an iPhone like Deanne and my wife, okay, uh, that's okay. You know, I, I'm using a real Bible. Uh, I hope you know I'm joking, uh, especially since my wife's sitting right here. Okay, but, but take your Bibles or your iPhones or, or, or if you've written Nehemiah on your hand, take your hand, okay, and turn, turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. When, when Moses brought more than a million of Abraham's descendants out of Egypt, 
the Jews were to be God's special people. And the land of Canaan was to be God's land. And the city of Jerusalem was supposed to be God's city. In fact, you know, like you may put your name on your mailbox or or maybe a plaque on the front door that indicates, hey, this is my house. God said that Jerusalem was the city where he was going to put his name. But then God told the Jews, he said, here's the deal. If I'm going to be your God, then you cannot live the way your godless neighbors live. He said, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my special people, then I want you to live lives that are pure and wholesome and upright and and honorable. And then he gave them the law of Moses, which included the Ten Commandments, but all of the other parts of, uh, of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy that explain the Ten Commandments, how to follow the Ten Commandments. And so he gave them these, the law of Moses to, to the Jews so that they would know what a pure, wholesome, upright, and honorable life looked like. And when he did that, the Jews said, sure, we'll do that. And so they, they agreed with God. They committed. They, they, they said, God, we, we won't adopt the corrupt practices of, of our neighbors. We will live the way you want us to live. But the self-indulgent lifestyles of their neighbors exerted such a strong pull on the corrupt desires that, that were inside of God's people. Because in reality, they were just like everybody else. And, and, and when, when, when they saw these, 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 the lifestyle, the self-indulgent lifestyle of their neighbors, they kind of thought, well, you know, that looks like a lot of fun. I think I would like to do that too. And, and so they abandoned. They broke their agreement with God. And, and they adopted the corrupt lifestyles of, of their, their neighbors. And after a while, God just kicked them out of the land. But now they're back. And for almost two months, Nehemiah and the Jews, they dedicated every waking moment to rebuilding the walls of God's city. They had overcome enemies. They had overcome their own fears. They had overcome all kinds of strife and, and th- that was going on in the Jewish community. They'd overcome that. But they did it. They finished the wall. Folks, I cannot imagine the sense of accomplishment and pride Nehemiah and, and the rest of the Jews felt when, after they'd finished the wall and, and, and they walked out the gates and walked down the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives. And then when they got to the other side, they looked over the valley and there were the walls of Jerusalem that they had finished. I can imagine what that felt like. I mean, when I mow the lawn and I look at my lawn, I think, wow, look what I did. It looks pretty cool, huh? I can't imagine what it must have felt like. These walls had been nothing but piles of stone for more than 80 years years. And now they were walls again. How cool was that? 
But something was missing. What about God? I mean, they were in God's city. But if God wasn't there, then it didn't matter whether the city had walls or whether it didn't have walls. So just a few days after the walls were completed, the people called Ezra, the priest, and they said, will you come read to us from the law of Moses? You see, they wanted to know if God could be their God again. They wanted to know if they had pushed God so far for so long that he wouldn't want to be their God again. So they said, Ezra, come read to us from the law of Moses. Now look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 2. Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra, folks, Ezra read for more than four hours. Four hours! And nobody was looking at their iPhones? Nobody was rushing out to the parking lot to get ahead of everybody else? I mean, it said they listened closely to the book of the law. These people were serious about reconnecting with God. And so while Ezra read to the crowd, then there there were Levites, and these were the guys that they were in charge of taking care of the temple. They sort of dispersed and got out in the crowd and when Ezra would read something that might be hard to understand they would tell their little group of people what that meant so they explained what Ezra was was reading okay let's keep going look in verse 7 chapter 8 verse 7 the Levites then instructed the people of the law while everyone remained in their place they clearly explained the meaning of what was being read helping the people understand each passage But then something totally unexpected and unplanned happened. Everybody started crying. And the more Ezra read, the more the people cried. Well, later we discover that the reason they were crying was Because the more Ezra read, the more they became aware that they hadn't been living the way God wanted them to live. And they hadn't been living that way for a long time. The more Ezra read, the more they became aware of their own sin. Now, Ezra and Nehemiah, they had to have been thrilled that that the people were responding like they did. But this wasn't what they had planned. This was supposed to be a celebration. Like a wedding, or in this case, more renewing their vows. But how in the world are you going to have a celebration if all of the people are crying? Okay, now let's go to verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And then Nehemiah said, said, go and celebrate with a feast. 
Well, Ezra and Nehemiah finally convinced all the people to go celebrate with their families. And they would deal with this sin issue later. Well, then when they came back the next day, they discovered that it, it was the first day of what was supposed to be an annual, we would probably call it a Bible camp. And, and, so, uh, and so everybody, they came back the next day, and they found out it was supposed to be this annual camp, this annual Bible camp. And, and, and when they found it out, they all went running out into the into the countryside and they started cutting down trees and, and bushes and branches and then they came back to the city and all, all of them built these little tents out of the branches and they spread these tents out in the streets and on the rooftops, the rooftops were flat and so in the nighttime they would go to, they would sleep in these, these little branches, these little tent, branch tents, tent branches, whatever you would call them, they, they, they would sleep in, the, in these little tents but then in the day, all day long was given to reading the word of God, reading the law of Moses. And so for the whole rest of the week, every single day, they heard someone reading from the law of Moses. Well now, the law did not just reveal how they were supposed to live. The law also revealed what they were supposed to do if they lost their connection with God because they hadn't been living the way they were supposed to live. The law told them what to do if they had given their lives over to sin. Now, you remember the man who checked, I'm renewing my life with Christ, and, and, and he said on the side, you remember he, he said, I want God back in my life? Well, that's exactly what Nehemiah and the Jews wanted. They want, wanted God back in their lives, in their city. And so after more than a week of reading the law of Moses, they knew exactly what they needed to do. Now let's jump over to chapter 9, Nehemiah 9, verse 1. The people assembled again. They confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law, their God, was read allowed to them. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins, and they worshiped the Lord. Six hours. Six hours confessing sin. That's a lot of sin. For six, if it takes you six hours to get it all out there. But when the law was revealed, they immediately then confessed what they had done that was contrary to the way God wanted them to live. They did that for six hours. Now let's go on. Jump all the way down to verse 33. Chapter 9, verse 33. So they're, they're, they're having this confession time with the Lord. And, and they say, Lord, every time you punished us, you were being just. We have sinned greatly. And you gave us only what we deserved. Notice, they didn't excuse their sin. They didn't blame it on their neighbors. They, they didn't try to justify what they did. They admitted what they had done was wrong. It was sin. And they confessed it. And then look what they did next. Look down in verse 38. He says, in view of all this, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing. After they had confessed their sins, they promised God in writing that they were going to try and live the way he wanted them to live. And after generations, many generations of spiritual drift and rebellion 
and lives that were so far off the rails, God had to kick them out of his city. God's special people renewed their God connection. Now, here's the cool part. We renew our God connection the same way they did. So let's pull this together. Let's figure out what they did to renew their God connection. First thing they did, they read the law, the law of Moses. That's God's word. And in order to discover how God wanted them to live. Then they responded to what they learned by confessing to God where they had fallen short. Sin. They confessed their sin. Then the next thing they did, they reaffirmed their commitment to God and the covenant that he had made with their ancestors. Now, there are only three components. According to this, there are only three components to spiritual renewal. The Word of God, which is our Bible, okay? The Word of God, sin, and commit. So let's take this apart. Let's start with the Word of God. If we're going to renew our God connection, we need to first decide what are we going to do with the Word of God, with the Bible. You see, God gave us His Word so we would know what He is like, how He wants us to live, and how we can begin and sustain a healthy connection with God. Now, if we're going to renew and sustain this God connection, we need to do it on God's terms. We can't do it on our terms. We're not God. He's the one that sets the terms. And and you know something else? We can't figure out what those are on our own. That's why we need the Bible. So every Sunday, Matt gets up here, and he will tell you to take your Bibles or or look at your iPhone and pull up the Bible on your iPhone. And and, and then we will will read, or he, he will read. He will read passages in the Bible that talk about about what God is like and and how God wants us to live and, and how to begin and sustain our connection with him. But here's the question. Is that enough? Is the are the verses that we read or that Mac reads to us on a Sunday morning? Is that enough to sustain a healthy God? connection. And I want to tell you, it's not. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And folks, if we're only eating one day a week, we're going to be very undernourished quickly. Listen to what David, the man the Bible says is after God's own heart. Listen to what David said. It's not going to be up there, so you're going to have to listen to me read it, but it's in Psalm 1. David said, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along a river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. David says, if we're going to have a healthy God connection, he said there must be regular nourishment from God's word. Just like a tree that's planted by a river is continually nourished by 
the water that's in the river. So we need to figure out what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with the Bible? Is it going to be a part of our daily life? Or is it going to be something that is just regulated to a few minutes on a Sunday morning? Okay, let's take the second component, sin. So we talked about the Word of God, Bible. Now let's talk about sin. You know, I've been a Christ follower for more than 50 years. And, and in my 50 years as a Christ follower, I've concluded there aren't but two kinds of sin. My sin and your sin. And your sin is always worse than my sin. And so just so that we keep that distinction, we keep it clear. Whenever I am forced to acknowledge some sin on my part, I will always follow it with a but. So I did this, but you did that. So that makes it really clear who's the worst sinner. I've noticed in marital conflict, I see this all the time. I may have a couple sitting in my office with me, and, and we're, we're, we're trying to resolve some conflicts in the marriage. And, and what, what quite often happens is, is one of them uh, will say, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I've made my mistakes. But she, or she may say, well, I'm not perfect. But he... And so that, that makes it obvious, okay? There's my sin and there's your sin and yours is worse than my sin all the time. No exceptions to that. First, Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, they have lists of the things that the Bible considers sin. And so, so, so what I've done, I've taken these two behaviors together and put them into one list. Let's read this. Now, now I asked them to be sure and try to get all this on one sin and, and it's hard to get this much sin on one slide, okay? But let's look at this. See if, you, see if you can read it. It starts with hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deceit, gossip, malevolence, backstabbing, insolence, pride, boasting, disobeying parents, breaking promises, being heartless or merciless, sexual sin idolatry, adultery, prostitution, homosexuality, stealing, greed, drunkenness, abusiveness, cheating. That's a lot of sin up there, isn't it? But I want you to notice something about that list. There are no buts in that list. Now let's see why. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, He himself, Jesus is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Folks, there's no sin on that list that was up there that Jesus did not die for. And if I put a but before any one of those sins, then I am devaluing what Jesus did on the cross. In James chapter 2, verse 10, it says... For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. If we're serious about renewing our connection with God, we need to remove all of the buts that we'd want to put after our sin. You see, as long as we follow our sin with a but, 
then we're not acknowledging the seriousness of our sin. But look what happens when we acknowledge that our sin is just as bad as anybody else's to ourselves, but also to God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But, and that's where the but goes, not after a sin. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If, when we're thinking about our sin, we put a but after it, it's like denying that it's really a sin. It's more like uh, a mistake. But, according to verse 9, when we admit it, when we confess it to God, it says He is faithful and just, and He not only forgives us, He cleanses us from, from all of that, well, whatever that sin was. It caused wickedness. And when He cleanses us, if that sin would, was would, creating a barrier to our God connection, then it's removed. I remember a number of years ago, my four-year-old son, our four-year-old son, excuse me, our four-year-old son, Kevin, he broke his arm. And, uh, and, the re- and one, one reason I remember this so clearly, at the time we were living in this little bitty dinky rent house. It was about 800 square feet. And, and we had three kids, four and under. I mean, you can imagine that, okay? We were little, it was, and there, there was no way that I could see that we were ever going to get out of that. We, we were never going to be able to afford a house. And so this was the way we, I could see us living forever in this little bitty house. And so one morning, I was so disgusted with the whole thing that I had a very disrespectful conversation with God. And I say conversation. He wasn't speaking to me, but I was speaking to him. And I remember exactly what I said. I said, God... I'm sick of this. So I'm going to quit tithing and use that money to buy a house. Less than an hour later, my son Kevin broke his arm. Now, I'm not saying that he broke his arm because I had this attitude toward God. But I tell you what, the timing caused me to really strongly consider that. Kevin I and I were out in the backyard, and I heard him. He said, Dad, there's something wrong with my arm. And I looked over there, and it was kind of doing this. And, and so I walked over to him and said, yep, son, I think there is. And, and except it was his left arm. Okay? And so I grabbed my hand, and I put it under here, broke it right at the elbow. And I kind of put it back in place and held on to it and headed toward the car. We, we had a Volkswagen van, and, and, I, and I, I hollered at Patsy as I went in and told her what had happened. And, and so we had somebody over at the house at the time. They were going to do the driving. I got, I got a hold of Kevin. We got in the, in, the, in the van. I was sitting in the back seat holding onto his arm like this. And I remember our little daughter, Amy, uh, I think she was two, about two at the time, and she was right outside my door, and she was just looking up at us. Now, that week, that very week, she had broken a dial, a doll, and we had to throw it away. And so she was looking up at us, and she started crying. And she said, Mommy, we're going to have to throw Kevin away. <laughs> and uh, and Pat, Patsy assured her we, we weren't intending to throw him away. So, so I, I, I was holding on to Kevin's arm, and, and, and our friend was driving to, to the emergency room at the hospital. And Kevin said, Dad, it hurts so bad. Pray. And I thought, oh, my word. 
I started to pray and there was this big sin right there in the way. And Kevin said again, Dad, please pray. This hurts so bad. And so I said, under my breath, I said, oh, God, forgive me for that disrespectful attitude. Forgive me, God, for telling you that I was going to disobey you and get a house instead. And then I prayed. And I started praying. And when I finished praying, Kevin said, Dad, keep praying. So I prayed some more. And then when I thought I was finished praying, Kevin said, Dad, keep praying. Well, folks, there's so much, so much you can pray about a broken arm. And so, and so I prayed some more. And, and, and then, then I stopped. And, and, and Kevin said, Dad, don't stop. Keep praying. And I said, Son, I've prayed everything I know to pray. And he said, Well, then sing. And so I sang. You know, a while ago I said, if we are not intentionally pursuing our relationship with God, we will drift away from him. That wasn't an overstatement. I've come to the conclusion that my daily personal time with God, which includes the Bible and prayer, confessing what I read something in the Bible that I don't measure up to, or when I'm reminded of something that I did before, that I shouldn't have done. The Bible, prayer with confession, that is the most important component in sustaining my connection with God every single day. Because I know if I am not pursuing God, then I am drifting away from Him. But also, what I figured out, too, is every good thing that God wants me to be as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, it all flows out of my time with God. I remember a while back, Patsy and I were, were having a, 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 a marital conflict, and, and, and I don't remember exactly what it was about. I'm sure I had made some mistake. But Patsy! Okay, you catch that. Okay, so anyhow, so we were having this marital, little marital conflict, and, and I got up the next morning to have my time with the Lord, and I opened my Bible, and on this particular day, I begin my time with the Lord reading the Psalms back to God, and on this particular day, uh, I had my little sticky note here, I stuck on Psalm 19, and I started reading that back to God, and then when I got to verse 12, here's what I read. I said, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? And I thought, oh, shoot. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. And so I said, oh, God, forgive me for what I'd said or what I'd done the day before. If you are a Christ follower, Your personal time with God, which includes the Bible and prayer, acknowledging sin to God and asking Him for forgiveness. That is the most important component in sustaining your God connection and in becoming the person that God wants you to be. And we've seen three components to to renewing our God connection the Word of God, the Bible. Sin and commit. Now, you know the first two components for spiritual renewal. We've already talked about them. 
So the question is, what are you going to do about it? That's the third one. Commit. Will you bow your heads, please? If you're a Christ follower and your life is off the rails, do you want to restore that God connection? Then confess to God what you've done that caused your life to be off the rails. Confess it to God. He says he'll forgive you and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord, that you want him to be your Lord. And then ask God to give you a plan so that you can have a regular time with God, including the Bible and prayer. Then ask him for the grace to stick with it. If you're a Christ follower and your life is not off the rails, but you haven't been nourishing your God connection with a regular time with God, then confess that to God. Say, God, I didn't take your word seriously as I should have. I've neglected you. I've just limited you to Sundays or every now and then when I was in trouble. Confess your sin to God. And ask God to give you a plan so you can have a regular time with God. It includes the Bible and prayer. And then ask him for the grace to stick with it. But some of you, you've never entered into a relationship with God. You've never become a Christ follower. You're here today, so maybe you've been thinking about it. But do you want to? Do you want to enter into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If you do, here's how. You just tell God you've sinned. Just tell him. You stop right now. Your head's bowed. Tell God, God, I've sinned. These are the things that I've done. Then ask him to forgive you. And then ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord. It's not hard. That's all you do. You just say, oh God, forgive me for, and then you just fill in the blank. And then you ask Jesus Christ, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Now, while your heads are bowed, if you just prayed that and if you just entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, then before you leave today, I'm going to ask you to take that connect card that you looked at a while ago that I asked you to look at. Put your, put your, your, your information on there, uh, your name, phone number, email address, and check the box that says, I committed my life to Christ this week. And I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you and talk about some important next steps in your spiritual journey. And I hope I can have a conversation with you here just like I had with that man. So I'm going to ask you, fill that card out before you leave. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. If you just ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord, just hold your hand up high. Say, why do you want me to do that? Because I want God to know. I want you to do something to tell God you're serious about this. But also to mark this time. This is a special time. You just committed your life to Jesus. Now, when you put your, I'm going to ask you now, hold your hands up. We have a custom around here. I love it. When you put your hands down, we put ours together.